Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan. Just a two-man show today. David Woolman has a prior engagement. So, yeah, Devin, you and I will be holding down the uh, the ship as we continue our uh, our high school football season preview. Uh, this is part two of a five-part series as we've uh, we've come up with 20 questions that will uh, that will define the, cover- the, uh, the coverage for Star Local Media for high school football this season. We knocked out the first four last week, so let's talk uh, four more questions today and um, why waste any time man let's jump right into it let's uh first off for this first question let's go and put ourselves back in february back during simpler times yeah it seems, yeah. It seems like an eternity ago i know <laughs> but yes let's uh, let's put ourselves right back in the shoes of where we were um for realignment when we got to see what the uh, what the new districts were going to look like and just where the uh, where the dominoes fell as far as laying the groundwork for the uh, for the upcoming athletics year um so the first question is all right so let's see um what were I guess yeah. So, what were the biggest changes brought on by realignment for our uh, for our football programs? Obviously, again, it's realignment, so you know that there's going to be some curveballs thrown as far as teams being put in districts that they otherwise didn't anticipate. Teams moving up and down classifications every every two years, the deck changes as far as what we have to cover. So, um, in your area, Devin, what were I guess some of the biggest takeaways, and what were on which schools were most gravely impacted by realignment? Well, you know, uh, my 6A schools, there was not a lot of changes. There, there wasn't expected to be a lot of changes um, outside of their number, I guess. Uh, you know, the Garland ISD with seven schools, they were going to be there. They are a package deal. And with Wiley bordering GISD, it just makes geographic sense to mm-hmm. them as the eighth team. Um, you know, no changes really for the Mesquite ISD schools as well. With one, one notable change, Longview dropped down uh, to Class 5A and they were replaced by Skyline. Mm-hmm. Um but I guess, uh, you know, in looking at that 6A, uh, I guess the biggest change is the playoffs because, you know, in years past, the Garland schools have been matched up with the Allen, um, you know, Plano, Prosper yeah. uh, district, which depending on who you drew there was a tough matchup. Certainly no one wanted to face Allen or, or you know, in here recently Prosper. Mm-hmm. Um and so instead, those two, the Garland ISD and the Mesquite ISD districts, are matched up in the first round. Uh, the other kind of curveball – uh, that the uh, that the region two um, I guess got is the area round matchup because now all of a sudden out from region one comes the Duncanville DeSoto Cedar Hill <laughs> Behemoth District yeah. and so that's going to make things and not to mention that 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 twelve six A it's it's the Colleen schools Waco Midway a lot of good programs there as well mm-hmm. Temple yeah. um, so you know it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see. Um, you know, over these next two years, if any of the Garland ISD or Mesquite ISD teams are going to be able to make kind of an extended run, because that second round matchup For most sure. likely is going to be a beast. And I am, I'm at least glad that they were able to at least keep the region somewhat balanced, because I wonder when the last time, you know, DeSoto, Duncanville, those schools were in region two. It's 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 been a while. I'd, I'd have yeah. to do some serious research, but I just kind of going through my inventory on recent playoff games. I can't remember the last time. 
uh, DeSoto for a while was, mm-hmm. um, but I can't remember the last time Duncanville yeah. was in that in that group. Because I'm just so used to whenever we've had to cover, you know, the Allen and Plano schools being in Region One, it always came with the cachet of having to go against the Duncanvilles and the DeSotos and the Cedar Hills and whatnot. So to at least, you know, if you're going to take away Allen, Prosper, move them into one region, but then you know, shift over, you know, Duncanville, DeSoto, at least keeps the region somewhat balanced. Yeah. You know, because that's that was the thing where you know in years past you would have just so much talent over in that first region. So um, so yeah, and obviously you know with Plano ISD. Alan Prosser, McKinney ISD, making the move back to Region 1. Um, I mean, I just, I mean, I remember you know, back in February. I mean, the first thing that my eyes always gravitate towards whenever they put the, uh, the districts up on the projector up at the uh, the Birdville um, Athletic Complex, always trying to find out where Plano ISD and Allen are going to be. And then just the the shockwave just with, with, <laughs> between, you know, just with me, but with the the coaches that were nearby when you see for the first time in 20-plus years that Allen and Plano ISD are no longer in the same district. And just the, uh, yeah, just the surprise of all that just because it's just something that, I mean, again, the UIL always throws curveballs and it's a fool's Aaron to try to you know make any sort of conjectures to what they're going to eventually come up with, but just given the proximity of those schools, just the the continuity again they they share the same district for you know for you know over two decades, yeah. and just the fact that I mean it's the four largest schools in the state by a considerable margin. I mean everything has always pointed to like that just that just always seemed like one of the first things like okay well what are we gonna do okay just might as well keep allen and plano isd together why break that apart and, yeah and uh but yeah i mean obviously with little elm and braswell moving up to 6a you knew that there was going to be at least some potential for some sort of shakeup. it was just a question of where the uil decided to kind of draw that line as far as who went where with because you also have to factor in you know lewisville isd capel denton isd uh you know prosper mckinney isd and whatnot and yeah i mean all those schools are still within you know i mean they're you know, half of them are in one district and half of them are in the other. It's, but uh, yeah, it's going to be the uh, the first time in a while that Allen and PISD are apart. As far as what it means in a football sense, I mean, with Allen, it's still going to be a really, really talented district over in five six A. Um, you know, between Allen and Denton Geyer and Prosper, it feels like those three have kind of, have, and not just in football but in all sports, those three figure to kind of occupy you know those four playoff spots in some in some capacity. Um, you know, and then it's a matter of whoever kind of gets hot between those McKinney schools and Braswell if they're able to make some headway. I know they were coming off a really, really strong year down in 5A. And then Little Elm, which is, uh, you know, got the, the smallest enrollment and, uh, you know, a school that might be in some sports at least probably going to be a little overmatched. But, um, you know, we'll see. But, um, but yeah, with Allen, Geyer, Prosper, that's a loaded district at the top. And even though with Plano ISD, they're no longer in the shadow of Allen. I mean, a school that, I mean, Allen had beaten Plano ISD every year in football, swept them entirely every year since 2005. I mean, so it's just been... Not, uh, not even an upset every now and again, huh? There were, I mean, there were years Years where, like, you know, Plano came close, you know, back in what, like 2012, I want to say. East put a scare in Allen a few times along the way, but nah, no one was ever able to get over the hump. Allen always found a way in the uh, in the end. Um, but yes, yeah, so there's no longer that boogeyman of sorts, but there's still, I mean, Louisville ISD has just got so many quality programs. I mean, Marcus, the reigning district champion, they're one of the best teams in the area. Louisville has just about its entire offense back, so much firepower, um, you know, in that offense. Um, Flower Mound is two years removed from winning a district title. Hebron feels like Hebron's made the playoffs every year that I've been here. And Capel, they just had a seven-year playoff streak snapped last season. So, I mean, even though it's, again, you're out of the shadow of Allen, I don't know necessarily that the landscape has changed a whole lot for the better for, um, you know, for Plano ISD's sake. Um, but then you look elsewhere and, you know, you see the schools that, you know, kind of went up and down, fluctuated classifications. Obviously, we just mentioned Little Elm making the move to, um, you know, to Class 6. 
say. Um, then you had teams like you know Frisco Reedy going um, you know from 5A D2 up to mm-hmm. 5A D1 to that loaded district that we talked about last yeah. week as being the uh, the best district in our coverage area with six teams that made the playoffs last season, including the top two ranked teams in the state in Lone Star and Dent Ryan. Um, you know teams like uh, like Poteet and Creekview though they were able to you know get a little bit of a change of scenery and making the move down from uh, from 5A D1 to 5A D2. Um, you know I don't know how I mean what the what the mindset is over at Poteet right now as far as their chances of you know making a run and winning a district title. But with Creekview at least I mean it's far more manageable just because I mean in you know these last couple years I mean they were in the same district as Denton Ryan and then Birdville, Grapevine, Colleyville Heritage, all teams that went on to make pretty significant playoff runs. And there was just this glass ceiling there for these last couple of years. So with um you know with Creekview being with the the Fort Worth ISD schools now it feels like the schools that are a little bit more on their playing field as far as being able to generate some more competitive football than they have in the past. Yeah, uh, you mentioned Poteet a second ago. You know, West Mesquite and Poteet have been in the same district since Poteet opened in 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, this will be the first time that they've been separated, although they are playing in non-district. Yeah. But you talk about spitting two teams in two totally different directions. West Mesquite stays in Division One, and they get, you know, this was in our conversation for toughest district top to bottom two because they're now in with Longview and Highland Park and Tyler and McKinney North and, and a good Sherman team. Yeah. Uh, and, and with a first-year head coach, Frank Sandoval, and not having spring practice, uh, it's going to be a real tough chore for West Mesquite this year. Uh, meanwhile, Poteet drops back down to Division Two. They get eight new district debates, and they're all from Dallas ISD. Uh, now, South Oak Cliff's going to be tough. Um, you know, they, they, they've been a, a good team year in, year out. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of those other teams are not traditionally strong. Um, they're, they're, you know, they're they make the play. Even the uh, team that goes, you know, seven and four makes the playoffs is, is losing by three, four, five touchdowns in the first round of the playoffs. So Boutique goes from being in, you know, possibly probably being an odd man out in seven, five, eight division one mm-hmm. to being a co-favorite or maybe a slight, you know, runner up to South Oak Cliff in terms of uh, making the playoffs. So they, that they have every reason to believe that they can, they can win a district title this year. And then there was also a neat development um, at the private school level, as far as how taps handled its realignment. So, these last couple of years, they um, they decided to go with some small districts, and they basically split the Dallas area schools into two five-team districts. So it meant that, I mean, you were playing only four district games, six non-district, which is um, obviously the coaches weren't exactly the biggest fans of, of that sort of structure and whatnot. So they've decided to reunite the super district and make a, uh, an eight-team district this year that has Prestonwood, John Paul, the defending state champion in Division One, Parish Episcopal, as well as um, you know All Saints, Nolan, Bishop Lynch, um, you know, Argyle Liberty Christian, then Midland Christian. Um, I mean, it just shakes out to a district that's going to be an absolute juggernaut, as it always is. The Taps Division I state champion has come from the Dallas-Fort Worth area the last 12 years. I believe it. And just looking at, um, at kind of the way these teams stack up heading into this season, I like the chances of that streak extending to 13. Um, so, yes, that's a look at um, some of these uh, some of the ramifications from realignment in our coverage area. Um, let's move on to question number uh, – Let's see. Let's make question number six. I would say of our twenty. And um, you know, last week we um, we devoted a question to breaking down some potential statistical leaders. Um, we talked quarterbacks last week, so we're going to stay in the backfield and focus on the run game as far as which players could potentially lead Star Local Media's coverage area in rushing. I actually deferred kind of the, to the private school ranks again in this one. Um, you know, there's a few running backs there between John Paul, Preston Wood, even. 
Prince of Peace over in Carrollton that um, you know that have some uh, some pretty stout uh, talent in the backfield. Um, the leading the the leading rushing uh, the leading rusher among returners at the private school level in the Dallas Fort Worth area is actually Prince of Peace's Devontae Knowlton, who had uh, just uh, just shy of eighteen hundred rushing yards and twenty three touchdowns last season. He's back and he is the the centerpiece of that offense. Then you've got John Paul, uh, Grant Robinson, and at Prestonwood, Randall Holmes, two running backs that you know they split carries last season, so their numbers aren't as jaw dropping as Knowlton's. Um, you know we're out of Prince of, P- Prince of Peace, but the um, you know the the geometry has kind of changed for those teams in the off season. You know one of the bigger developments at the private school level was um, the exodus of a few of the uh, the top players for John Paul after John Paul strung together its state runner up campaign campaign last season. Um, Grayson James, the quarterback last year. He's now Duncanville. Jaron Bradley, their top receiver, maybe the best receiver in taps. He's at DeSoto. Um, they lost a few. <laughs> defensive- funny, funny how that happens. <laughs> and um, yeah, and they lost some uh, some standouts on the defensive side of the ball. So all of a sudden now they're going to be really young at quarterback and receiver, and that's going to put a bit more on the plate of someone like Robinson, who um, again he had 774 rushing yards last season, but that was with splitting carries with Carson Collins. Um, you know, this is a I mean a kid who's got experience playing high level varsity. For football since he was a sophomore. Remember, he transferred into John Paul from Allen, and he was used pretty heavily as a sophomore out of that backfield for the, um, for the Eagles. Um, you know, so he's looking at a bit more of an expanded workload with the youth that's now all of a sudden going to be around him at quarterback and receiver. Um, and the same thing with Randall Holmes at Prestonwood. He had 1,020 yards last season splitting carries with uh, Timothy Taylor. <coughs> And then, um, you know, kind of the same case where Prestonwood projects to be a little bit younger, you know, throughout its offense. So, um, you know, that should um, at least open up some more opportunities to kind of lean on Holmes a bit to, to make some headway and improve upon his output from last season. Um, at the public school level, I mean, there were a couple of guys that jumped out, at least with Plano. I'm curious to see what happens with Tylen Hines this year. You know, that was obviously one of the bigger coaching developments in the offseason was Plano bringing in Todd Ford and just that, uh, that high-flying, wide-open offense that he's run over the years, um, you know, with, um, you know, most recently at Lovejoy and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tylen Hines is one of the most dynamic backs in our coverage area. Um, you know, he, uh, let's see, he had, uh, let's see, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he, um, I know he averaged, you know, close to 10 yards per carry last season. It, it fits right in the mold of what they had with Kyron Cumby as far as just a kid who anytime the ball's in his hands, you get him in space, he's got the game-breaking ability to take it all the way. So depending on how they use him, again, this is another offense that they've got some experience at quarterback with Oliver Towns, but they graduated so much of the receiving core that um, it's going to kind of be the Towns Heinz show as far as dictating where that offense goes. And just given the Todd Ford offensive track record, I'm just kind of anxious to see it could be a, a pretty big year in store for, uh, for Tylen Hines. And then, um, you know, Jordan Johnson over at Allen kind of has a similar opportunity as far as a kid who, you know, got to really step up late in the season and then really, really thrived with his responsibility last year as well. Yeah, uh, and real quick, I'll touch on a private school, uh, Dallas Christian, T.J. King. Um, he, he rushed for nearly 1,300 yards last year. He's a two-time district most valuable player, um, and so he'll certainly be up there with that in that group as well. You know, it's it's hard forecasting rushing leaders these days because everybody runs the spread. Yeah, there weren't a ton and, from our coverage area last year. Yeah, and, and so, you know, because of that, so then you kind of take a look at, well, who's breaking in a new quarterback? Uh, will that mean that they're going to be more you know, run-oriented For early sure. in the season? Uh, and then there's the, like you alluded to earlier, there's, there's these uh, these teams that split carries. I mean, you see that, I mean, Rowlett has a, a pair of uh, really good running backs in Dwanye Newton and Colton Yarborough, but they're likely going to split carries. Yeah. Sunnyvale, same thing. I, you know, watching them on Friday night, you know, Obi Arinze and Alex Luna 
shared, you know, shared the shared the touches. Um, so it's really kind of hard to forecast. Um, a couple weeks ago, I would have said Sean Coleman over at Saxe, mm-hmm. but uh, he is apparently not playing this season for Saxe. So, um, well, but they're but they're really high. Coach Barron's is really high on Brian Okoye. Yeah. Um, he averaged six point six yards per carry last year and limited touches, but showed kind of showed what he can do. And now he's going to step in and be the man. So he's going to be one of those candidates just because at this point in time, you know, he, he's going to be the go-to guy. Um, you know, it, again, you, you look over it. And, uh, you know, at the Fresco schools, I mean, there's some good backs that rushed for between six and 800 yards last year. Uh, you know, Jaden Nixon over at, at Lone Star and, and Jacob Smith at Reedy and uh, Jared White at Wakeland. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's we'll be curious to see how they kind of incorporate them into the offense and, and if they kind of open them up a little bit more. Xavier Jeans at, at Poteet, um, you know, he was the backup that filled in when Seth McGowan was going in and out of the lineup all last season, and he quietly rushed for 856 yards, uh, even with taking a back seat to McGowan when he was wow. playing. So now that he's the featured guy, uh, he may maybe got to watch. Let's see. Our next question, though, we go from talking about potential rushing leaders to talking some potential breakout candidates. Who are some potential breakout candidates in Star Local Media's coverage area? Um, this is one that, I mean, the options are pretty limitless. There's, I mean, every team's going to have, you know, some kids that just, whether it's, you know, seeing a more expanded role or a kid that just kind of comes out of the woodwork that had a really strong offseason, there's every team is going to have breakout candidates. Um, as far as um, some ones that uh, spring to mind, um, where did you kind of land on this one, Devin? Uh, well, I mentioned Brian Okoye. Yeah. Now that he's been given the, but Saxy, the, the one I'd point out, Saxy is uh, Alex Orgy, who's uh, scheduled to uh, to be their starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Orgy name sounds familiar, oh, because yeah. he's the youngest of three uh, brothers that all went to Rockwall. Uh, that's actually where Alex Orgy started as a freshman. Then he transferred to Bishop Dunn. Then he transferred to Saxy. Was initially ruled ineligible. Uh, by the DEC to play for yeah. transferring then, and then they got it cleared where he is. Uh, he's a go. Yeah. So um, obviously he comes from a you know family of great athletes that both his older brothers are playing college football. Um, but again, he hasn't been in that system, and so again, we go back to the, the loss of spring practice. Mm-hmm. So he's gonna kind of you know have to hit the ground running to see what he can do. Um, you know, North Mesquite has been a team that's, that's endured some struggles, but uh, when I saw them last year, Kobe Norman, uh, their running back, was a, a nice-looking player um, that I think they can, you know, build the offense around. Uh, you know, Horn, uh, Marquise Edwards, their defensive back, uh, junior defensive back, I think he's going to emerge as one of the uh, top prospects in the area. Just a, a really a really impressive kid. Um you know, West Mesquite, JV and Jackson uh, was called up to the varsity as a freshman last year, mm-hmm. uh, averaged 24 yards per catch, albeit very limited touches. But, uh, you know, if they can find somebody to, to get him the ball, he may be got to keep an eye on. Um, and then a couple out in Frisco, uh, Independence, Reggie Bush. I mean, I have to bring him up just because of his name, right? Of course. Um, but, uh, you know, they already have a uh, – a, start, a quarterback in Braylon Braxton. Um, but uh, Reggie Bush averaged nearly seven yards on 59 rushing attempts. And so that guy, you know, he's certainly one to, to keep an eye on. I mean, obviously Braylon Braxton, you know, racks up his year yards on the ground as well. Um, and then over at Reedy, uh, AJ, AJ Padgett takes over the uh, the starting quarterback uh, duties uh, yeah. this year. Uh, in limited action last year, he completed 58% of his passes. But, you know, Reedy's been able to churn out some good quarterbacks here in, in, in recent years, and he could be the, the next in line. 
For me, um, I just mentioned him as a potential rushing leader. Didn't elaborate a ton because I wanted to do that for this question. Um, Allen's Jordan Johnson is one that I uh, that I stumbled on as far as potential breakouts. So Allen's backfield last year, they had a bunch of capable rushers. I want to say their top five rushers all average, something to the tune of over seven yards per carry by the end of the season. Really explosive backfield. Well, as the year went along, Johnson kind of emerged as their um, as their go-to guy. He was handed, obviously, a big opportunity, though, late in the season after a season-ending injury to their starter, Selden Mann. And I um, mean, he thrived. I mean, he had a. Uh, I mean, that uh, that that second round playoff game against Rockwall, just as exciting a game as that was. I mean, so much was taught was you know has been made about the performances of Jackson Smith and Jigba for Rockwall, and then Allen's quarterback Raylan Sharp. Um, I mean, as far as just per touch dominance, Allen's uh, Allen's Jordan Johnson had seven touches for 188 yards oh, and three touchdowns. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he had such a uh, yeah, he had an incredible game, obviously, and um, but. Just on the year, those last four games, what he was able to do after taking over as their um, as their starting running back, he finished the year as the team's leading rusher, albeit with just 763 yards. Again, it was a lot of backfield by committee, and again, he didn't really get most of that production until later in the season. But it's the yards per carry, 9.5, that should have <laughs> Allen fans pretty encouraged heading into this season. And it's one of those where the circumstances will kind of dictate that maybe Allen leans a bit more on the run early on. Obviously, they got a ton of talent, a wide receiver, but they got a brand new quarterback, whether it's Parker Wells, General Booty, who knows. Um, they've also got a pretty um, pretty experienced offensive line, which was not the case last year. So um, it's it's kind of setting up for Johnson to potentially build off of what he was able to accomplish last year. There were a couple names with Creekview that kind of jumped out to Creekview, who we mentioned earlier, as far as a um, you know a couple players that could be in for um, you know for a bit more of an expanded uh, role in the offense. Um, you know, remember Creekview runs the flex bone, you know, so a bit of a non-traditional offense compared to these spread-heavy sets in today's high school football, but. Um, Edgar Page and David Thompson are two names to kind of keep an eye on for Creekview. Um, you know, obviously, you know, Page he split carries last year with um, you know Isaiah Pena. Um, you know, he averaged nearly six yards per carry out of the backfield, though ran for 575 yards. He's expected to be the bell cow, you know, this year. So as far as what that um, what that responsibility entails, you know, he's in line to kind of be the focal point of their um, of their rushing attack. And then Thompson, whether it's as a quarterback or as a slot receiver, head coach Jay Klein says he's going to still have some major role within that offense. You know, last year, again, he operated just as a uh, primarily as a slot receiver, and he only had, again, this is a team that only attempted 19 passes all season. I think he only caught one ball last year and whatnot, but if he is able to win that starting quarterback job, I mean, again, because it's the flexbone offense, it's not so much, you know, what you're capable of, you know, as far as throwing the ball, but as far as rushing opportunities, I mean, their quarterback last year, Brett Ash, led the team in rushing attempts by a significant margin. Um, you know, so if Thompson is able to approximate made that role, then, um, then yeah, he's, um, you know, in the opportunities that he did get to run last year, he had 28 carries and he averaged over eight yards per carry. Um, so could potentially add a bit more speed to the, uh, to the backfield than they've had in years past. But yeah, with Creekview and also, I mean, statistically it's, you'd expect that that offense is going to just perform better statistically just because they're in a much more reasonable district and you're not, again, you're not those, you know, you had half the games last year that were a bit more manageable. And then the other half were against the Dent Ryans, Grapevine, yeah. Birdvilles and whatnot. And it's just, it's going to be tough when you're a run based offense to make a whole lot of headway there. So, um, yeah, there's definitely opportunities for Creekview to really, really thrive this season. And then the last one that I'm another name out of the Carrollton area, um, Hebron's Weston Conaway. Um, he's the quarterback, projected to be the starting quarterback this season. And it's more just kind of a belief in the track record at the position for Hebron. Because, I mean, man, you look over the past decade and just in our coverage area, I'm not sure how many schools have had a more consistent run at the quarterback position than, uh, than Hebron's had. 
um, just recently with them um, with Carson Harris. Before that, Clayton Toon, and then earlier in the decade with Kyle Abishan and Joseph Farley, some really really quality passers to come through them um, to come through that school. Um, you know, and they've always done a good job as far as getting whoever the backup is making sure that that kid gets to see some time early in the season, you know, whether it's giving them, you know, every three or four series, putting them out there just to, just again, just to get them comfortable, get their feet wet against a varsity offense, varsity defense, I should say, just so, I mean, and just to kind of just get, at least get them comfortable with the role just so that when they're called upon next season, it's nothing that they aren't already a little bit familiar with. Um, but you just, you look at just the track record, seven of the past 10 seasons, Heron's quarterback has combined for more than 2,000 yards of offense, um, including the past five. You know, again, Conaway got some time last year. He attempted 42 passes, which is pretty solid for a backup quarterback and whatnot. And also, I mean, he's got a receiving core that head coach Brian Brazel said maybe the deepest that he's ever had, you know, not just with a, you know, I mean, if you're going to have a, have a receiver to help uh, kind of swell your pass production, might as well be one that averaged 27 yards <laughs> per catch last season. And that's what Hebron has with, uh, with Nick Frazier. Then they got Jedi Henry. Um, he's got 18 yards per catch last season. Then their tight end, Wesley Douglas, Nick Harris, Coda Bridges, younger brother of former district MVP Trajan Bridges currently at Oklahoma. They're going to use their, um, you know, two of their stud DBs, uh, Vincent, Miller, Mason Williamson on that side of the ball. They got a 6-3 move-in from Pittsburgh named Day-Day Johnson. I mean, there's just a lot of, lot of potential there with that Hebron passing offense. Um, and obviously, yeah, it lines up very well for Conaway to potentially build off what his, uh, his predecessors have done um, at that position. Um, let's see. All right, so let's then close this out with our last of the, uh, the four questions for today's episode. Who are some teams that missed the playoffs a year ago that we expect to make the postseason this year? There's always a few teams that, you know, slip through the cracks that just missed out last year then make the necessary adjustments in the offseason. Maybe they get a little bit more fortunate with health and whatnot and are able to get over the hump. Kids just evolve and just, uh, you know, kind of improve their play with maturity and whatnot. So who are some candidates this year to have bounce back years that result? in playoff berths you know I, I don't have many that fit that criteria just because most of my teams that I predicted to make the playoffs this year were playoff teams a year ago mm-hmm. uh but but two kind of stuck out to me uh Rowlett had its run of 14 straight playoff appearances for which sure. was a Garland ISG record uh ended on a tiebreaker they were it was a three-way tie for third and uh point differential and they were the the odd man out uh but Rowlett wasn't that far off I mean obviously if the tiebreaker would have gone differently they would have been a playoff team mm-hmm. but they also lost by one to Wiley and by two to Saxe who were the two co-district champions so Rowlett was right there I mean they had a quality team mm-hmm. um you know they returned 11 starters I mentioned their their running back tandem uh that that should be good if they can find a quarterback that's going to be the biggest key is is breaking in a new a new signal caller but with that ground game and with with the number of starters they have back you know on both sides of the ball um and in a district that's very evenly matched i mean there's not a, a dominant powerhouse there mm-hmm. uh that you know saxy isn't or isn't projected to be you know the saxy of two three years ago when you know no team could get close to him type stuff yeah. um so i see rowlett um bouncing back and starting a new streak uh the the other one that I was, as I was kind of researching this, um, Frisco Liberty, and which might sound really odd, seeing as they went uh, one and nine mm-hmm. last season, and they haven't had a winning record since 2011. But um, their one win last season was in the season finale against Wakeland, yeah, uh, a Wakeland team that went to the playoffs. Um, 
In that game, uh, Will Glatch, their quarterback, was 22 of 25 for 325 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, overall, he threw for you know nearly 1,900 yards and 13 touchdowns. He kind of got acclimated. Well, now he's back with a year of experience under his mm-hmm. belt. Um, you know, they got a good running back in Jonathan Bone. Uh, Evan Stewart on the outside is one of the top um, receivers in the district, and they dropped down. In class, in, in mm-hmm. you know, to Division Two. So rather than having to contend with Lone Star and Denton Ryan and whatnot for one of those playoff spots, I mean, Frisco's certainly the team to beat in that district. Uh, you know, Lovejoy is always tough. Denison's going to have a good team, but um, you know, I, I think with the strides they made toward the end of the year, because they also had a pair, uh, two three-point losses in district. Yeah. Uh, so they were competitive. So having the number of kids they have back, particularly at the skill positions, uh, dropping down um, to a different district that's um, you know a little bit more wide open than, say, than, than not top-heavy like you know what they what they left, um, I think, yeah, even though they went 1-9 and nine last season, I think Liberty is a team that can make the playoffs this year. That doesn't seem at all far-fetched to me. That's a district <laughs> that's far more manageable, given kind of where that program is at. Um, let's see, where I landed on this, um, I'm looking for at least somebody who missed out last year in 6-6A to make it this year. Um, and I guess it would probably be, in, probably be in place of a team like Flower Mound, which lost a ton on offense and still some quality players on that side of the ball. But, um, you know, that's a program that certainly figures to take a little bit of a step back this year with uh, how much younger they figure to be. And that could open the door for a team like Capel or potentially one of the Plano schools. Um, Capel, especially a program that missed the playoffs last year. I think prior to last season, they'd only missed the playoffs once within the past decade. I mean, that's such a, such a steady program. But um, last year was just, um, you know, just to kind of, you know, look back on it. Just, I mean, everything that could have gone wrong kind of did. I mean, they were already a young team that was up against it from an experience standpoint. But then you compound that with just so many health issues. It felt like every year the quarterback position was up for grabs as far as who was going to start, whether it was Kevin Schumann, Ryan Walker, and whatnot. So they're at least, you know, at least established right now for the time being with Walker entrenched as the starter. And there's a whole lot of continuity elsewhere. They've got their leading rusher back. Jason Ingwu, Anthony Black, their top receiver, is one of the top prospects in the area at that position. A stud on both the football field and the basketball court. He's got multiple D1 offers in both sports. Um, you know, got Walker Polk back on defense. Um, a lot. I mean, there's a ton of talent there still. So it's, I mean, again, if they can just stay a bit healthier and whatnot, then it all points to a bounce back here. And they showed really well, even though they missed out. I mean, they took Marcus, the district champion, cha- uh, champion um, to overtime last season and whatnot. I mean, they still had some really, really talented results. You know, despite, you know, falling short of the playoffs, um, you know, and then with Plano, um, it's, you know, I'm not sure which one <laughs> right now. I mean, again, it's the, I mean, obviously with uh, with Plano East and Plano West last year, you'd, you know, you'd think that just, I mean, what are the odds that they both go one and nine again? At least some, uh, some you know, some uh, improvement should be anticipated with those teams having a lot coming back this season. And again, like East was another team kind of like Capel that had a ton of just health issues and whatnot. West seemed to get better as the year went along and got more comfortable under their, uh, their head coach. Tyler Sukup, you know, with Plano, I mean, they've been right on the doorstep these last couple of years. They missed out on the playoffs the last night of the regular season and whatnot. Now they said it's a brand new, brand new coaching staff, kind of a new era in Wildcat football. So as far as how long it'll take before they uh, they eventually realize their potential under um, under Todd Ford remains to be seen. Um, like I said, they're they're set at quarterback and running back. Their receiver position though is going to be a bit something to monitor though. And if you remember last season, where everything created for them late in the year, it 
was when they had all those injuries to their wide receivers mm-hmm. and just couldn't overcome that. Um, you know, so it's a team that still, you know, you'd probably say they're still maybe a little bit further ahead, though, of the other two, assuming that things like, you know, getting their, you know, their new schematics installed and whatnot wasn't too set back or hindered by the pandemic. Um, but, yeah, those two, I think either Capel, maybe Plano, one of those teams is, is you know, is going to make the playoffs next season after missing out last season. I look for at least one, maybe two teams from Carrollton Farmers Branch ISD to get in as far as teams that, you know, could benefit from a bit of a brighter uh, scenery now after uh, after realignment. We've already talked about Creekview being in a more manageable district. Well, the same goes for Newman Smith and R.L. Turner. Um, after that, I mean, they're still staying in Division One, but they're also out from underneath the uh, Dent Ryan, Grapevine, Birdville, Colleyville, uh, Glass Ceiling, and they're in a district that has a head and shoulders favorite in Lancaster. No one's touching Lancaster in that district, mm-hmm. but um, as far as second, third, fourth place, it's all up for grabs as they're in there with the um, the rest of the Dallas ISD schools, all of whom, I mean, who knows, I mean, just how they're, I mean, what their schedules have been like as far as preparations for the season. CFB ISD is at least practicing. Again, they're at least yeah. holding workouts and whatnot, but obviously I know that that's still kind of an ongoing thing with the DISD schools, so who knows what that's going to mean as far as district play, um, you know, happens and whatnot. But, um, but yes, I think it's far more reasonable to expect Newman-Smith or Creekview to make the playoffs this season. R.L. Turner, you know, new head coach coming off a winless season is probably a bridge too far right now, but um, at the very least, I feel like at least one of those Carrollton teams should be uh, should be back in the mix. Um, and yeah, let's see. That's um, I don't know. That's all I had. I said my piece. All right. I, I, I can I can come up with a third team. <laughs> it's, it's too big of a stretch yeah. on some of these. <laughs> so yes, that'll um, and that'll do it for this episode of the Star Local Media High School uh, High School Podcast, High School Sports Podcast. We um, so yeah, we have eight questions down. We got twelve more to go as we continue our high school football season preview, all leading up to late September. I believe was it the twenty fourth is the first night when five A and six A get going. Yes, uh, should be fun. We've already got football happening right now. I actually have a game under my belt. I've got to see yeah. pandemic football in person as out watching Salina last week and whatnot so um, but yes it's a uh, just catch the fever folks it's uh, it's coming for those big schools it is almost here we get workouts going uh, on Labor Day and whatnot so yes obviously in keeping with Labor Day next week we'll continue the podcast um, next week I'll be it on Tuesday so until then folks you enjoy the rest of your week and we will talk to y'all later looking to hire top talent in your community look no further than starlocaljobs.com Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all. StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.